stand before you today seeking your blessing and ordination to the diaconate. It was nearly four years ago that you took time from your busy schedule as a new metropolitan and made the effort to come to Holy Cross Seminary to be present during my first year in the diaconate program. It was following one of my first attempts at chanting that you asked me, is this scary, like doing surgery for the first time? I replied, no, surgery wasn't scary at all, but this is terrifying. <laughs> you and Archdeacon Vasilios, both then and later when hosting a retreat for deacon candidates in the Chicago metropolis, taught us to not get distracted away from the things that matter. You reminded us of the central importance of prayer, worship, and to glorify God in all things. Thank you for your sacrificial love, leadership, and example for those of us entrusted to your spiritual care. I know it wasn't easy for you to be here today. Paraphrasing from today's epistle, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you, keeping you always in my prayers. When I was in my second year of college, and likely not even 20 years old, I heard a man say, I have walked with the Lord for 70 years, and God has been faithful. That struck me as incredibly powerful. Looking back on what has brought me to this moment, I too want to echo, God has been faithful. My parents were living examples of Christian love. I was only 13 when my sister died tragically in a car accident. She had intended to be a medical missionary to Africa. I have learned that life is a precious gift, and sometimes God's plans are unknowable, but always for our good. My mother once commented afterwards that I didn't talk to my dad and her like my sister had done. I could sense her loss, and even though I was still in high school, I determined to spend more time in conversation with them. That hopefully explains to my family and friends why I have been a storyteller ever since. My younger brother Roger and his wife Kathy inspired me with their decisions to serve God, initially in the area of youth ministry, together, and now he is the senior pastor in, in their Lutheran church. By God's grace, my father lived to 96 years of age. He ended every phone call with me. Sure do love you, son. Love you, mom and dad. Soon after meeting my wife, Mary Kay, I knew she was a gift from God. For me to pursue a career in surgery, I would need a special person with exceptional grace, strength, patience, love, and endurance. I suggested to her very early on that we pray and thank God for everything in our lives that had brought us to that moment, then pray that he guard our hearts. Lastly, that we pray for his guidance in our lives. We have been married over 40 years, and God has been faithful. Our family has grown, and by the grace of God, they are here with us today. Please keep them and us in your prayers. God has blessed us with wonderful Christian friends. We met Dr. Steve, Stephen, and Pope Rakus while I was still in medical school. He later served as my sponsor when I came into the Orthodox Church by chrismation in 1990. While in orthopedic residency training in California, we met Dr. George and Janine Agilat, who are the godparents of our youngest daughter, Nicole. I thank God for these two couples, their families, and the many other friends who have been with us along the journey. There have been weeks at summer camp, Project Mexico trips, 
and pilgrimage, pilgrimages to Mount Athos and the Holy Land. God has truly been faithful and provided spiritual mountaintop experiences along the way. I initially felt excitement over 30 years ago that God might be calling me to be a deacon after a career in medicine. 20 years ago, Father Harry Pappas and Father Tim Sass went with me to visit Bishop Yakovos in Chicago. We asked for his blessing for me to someday begin a period of study to perhaps serve the church as a deacon. 15 years ago, I was gifted these vestments by Father George Agelot when he was ordained from the diaconate to the priesthood. He said, you will need these someday. I hoped he was right, and I am honored to wear them today. I wish to acknowledge my spiritual father and friend, Father George Dokos. The application deadline for my first year at seminary had already passed when he called me to say, pack your bags and get your flights arranged. He had just fin finished speaking with you, and on that basis you gave your blessing for me to attend the diaconate program at Holy Cross that year. I thank God for your leadership and his love and support that allowed me to attend the program. I am eternally grateful for the friendships and experiences that it has provided me. I believe God has been with my wife and me every step of the way. I am able to stand before you only because of her love and support and our trust in God's continued faithfulness. I again thank God for everything that has brought us to this moment. I pray that he will guide our hearts, guard our hearts, and continue to guide us as we seek to do his will. I am grateful to everyone here present and also those present in spirit who love and support us. Again, from the epistle today, my hope is that we be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Finally, Your Eminence, I remember the words you said to me as I drove, to our Saint, drove you to our St. Mary's summer camp several years ago. You were exhausted and jet-lagged from overseas travel, yet as our shepherd, you wanted to be present at the camp to support the clergy, staff, and children. You were dozing off at times, but at one point you turned to me and simply said, try to love more. Then you dozed off again. <laughs> I believe those words were prophetic, and I pray that through ordination and the gift of the Holy Spirit, I truly will be able, by God's grace, to love more. Thank you for your tireless sacrifice and love for us, your flock. May God grant you many years and bring us all to salvation. Not yet. In the 16th century before Christ, approximately three and a half thousand years ago, humanity received a set of precepts that would guide the daily life of men, women, and children till this very day. The Decalogue granted to Moses by Yahweh represents a set of instructions that are largely restrictive in nature. Of the Ten Commandments, Eight of the ten speak of things that one must not do. Do not worship any other god. Do not make idols. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. 
Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against the neighbor. Do not covet a neighbor's wife or other possessions. Almost 1,000 years later, around the fifth century before Christ, another code of conduct was recorded, namely the oath of Hippocrates. Often referred to as the father of Western medicine, Hippocrates recognizes the sacred gift of medicine and holds anyone wishing to pursue this art in the highest regard. Of course, this means that a doctor must hold himself to the highest standards. Among the many things that an aspiring doctor would swear to included, I will abstain from all intentional wrongdoing and harm, especially from abusing the bodies of man and woman. Both the Decalogue and the Hippocratic Oath represent guidelines that are largely restrictive in their nature. Like a toddler who explores her new environment, the Decalogue and Hippocratic Oath present to humanity rules that set forth our limits. They tell us what we cannot do. It is not until five centuries later, with the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that humanity receives a clear mandate on what we must do. When asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus responds, you must love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And he goes on and adds to this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. With the incarnation of love, Fear of punishment is no longer that which guides our actions. Once divine love dwells among us, the only drive behind our actions, indeed behind our entire being, is love. Love for God and love for neighbor, our force is so strong, in the disciple, so strong that the disciple of Christ, John the Evangelist, forcefully says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He goes on to define what it means to love one's brother or sister and says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Beloved subdeacon Luke, for over 30 years of your life, you have served your neighbor as a physician. <clears throat> I'm certain that the main driving force behind your medical vocation was not fear, but love. You dedicated your entire life to the art of medicine so that you could bring healing to the person in pain and so that they may enjoy life more fully. You knew in your heart and mind that beyond the restrictive protocol set forth in medical laws and ethics was a universal mandate to love your patient. For this reason, you approached your work as a sacred rite. You not only planned surgeries and therapies for your patients, but you also took necessary steps to keep yourself vigilant and always ready for the moment of surgery. You did not use your scalpel carelessly, but envisioned each and every incision with care. More importantly, you understood that the only way to provide the best care for your patients was to rely on others laboring alongside you your fellow physicians, the nurses, the hospital workers, and other caregivers. Today, you approach the Lord Jesus Christ 
after decades of prayer and preparation to assume a more profound vocation, namely the vocation of ordained service. Once a deacon, your responsibility is not to serve as a liturgical prop. Your service to God, to his church, and to his world does not, is not limited to liturgical worship. It may begin in worship, but it must extend well beyond the walls of the church. While you may officially be retired from medicine as a deacon, you are invited to elevate your medical art to new heights. What does this mean, you may ask? How does one achieve this? I leave you with two things to keep in mind as you begin to serve the church as a deacon who is also a physician. First, be merciful. Be mindful that starting today, your life is a living epistle for the for the entire world to read. People will learn to either turn to or turn away from God through your words and deeds. Do all that you can to bring people to Christ, the greatest physician of our souls and bodies. May your daily life impart God's mercy to everyone who approaches you so that they may discover the fullness of his love. Second, be courageous. The Lord has blessed you with many gifts, including medicine. This is not a time for complacency and timidness, but for bold vision. Envision bold new ways to offer your gifts to people. Be a medical missionary like your sister envisioned she would be. Perhaps now more than ever before, the Twin Cities need both Christian vision both, uh, the Twin Cities need bold Christian vision to help it heal. Think outside the proverbial box. Do the things that others are afraid to do. When you learn to embody mercy and courage as a deacon, the Lord will surely say to you one day, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Ψυχάσει 